Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio with my fellow co-host, Joseph Cacharo. What's going on? Joe Wolfon. What up? We're joined for another emergency podcast episode because there has been a groundbreaking trade in the NBA recently. Uh, the Chicago Bulls acquired Timothy Luwawu Cabarro <laughs> and cash considerations from OKC in exchange for future. Like, no, I'm kidding. Um, there's been a ton going on. The NBA is snapping recently. It really is. I mean, you got Chris Tabbs getting traded, Kyrie Irving going back on his commitment to Boston. More updates in the Anthony Davis drama, which has literally got the entire league on notice. Um, Mike Conley is randomly going to be on the move to the Jazz. I mean, that's that's something there. And also, in the midst of all this actual NBA news about uh, All-Star reserves and who got snubbed and you know who's not happy about it. But uh, let's start with Kyrie Irving, which was the most pressing thing that happened on uh, Friday morning. Kyrie said at pregame shoot around quote at the end of the day i'm gonna do what's best for me i don't owe anybody shit. and um yeah so this is obviously in stark contrast to everything he said before the season um where he you know made this whole nike commercial about making sure no one else in boston ever wears number 11 again his dad's number and how he you know if the uh celtics will have him plan to stay here and resign, but apparently that's changed. Cash, I'll start with you. I mean, this has to be such a shock for Celtics fans because Kyrie has been pretty much the only positive that has really gone right for the Celtics this year. And to hear these words from Kyrie is just, it has to be uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, I think it's a shock if you were fooled by Kyrie Irving's words in October, and you shouldn't have been because it was October, and I don't know how many more times we need to see an NBA player both ways. Like, Paul George was the opposite in October last year. Not that he said it, but every indication was, oh, he doesn't want to be there, and he ended up resigning. And then Kyrie Irving the next year comes out and says he wants to stay in Boston. It's like, well, done deal. Like, he's not going to really be a real free agent. He's going to stay in Boston. It's like, at what point do we learn things that are said in October, things that are said in December, like, it doesn't matter. Until we get to July 1, if he's a free agent, whatever the case may be, don't put all your eggs in the, like, oh, he said this basket. Second of all, as I said last week, and I've been saying since the man admitted he was a flat earther, nothing he says can be taken at face value. Nothing. Nothing. Well, even that aside, I think everybody changes their minds, and sometimes it happens really quickly. There are a lot of factors that go into any decision-making process, and I think we can all agree that it's been a kind of bumpy season in Boston. Things haven't exactly been hunky-dory in that locker room, and I think you know Kyrie has had a lot to do with that, but it's entirely reasonable to say that he might be disillusioned with the situation there and suddenly you know, not so thrilled about the direction the team is headed. So, I mean, I can't really look at that situation and figure out why he would feel that way because assuming that the Pelicans hold on to Anthony Davis until the offseason, the Celtics would still be in the best possible position to make that trade to acquire him and the thing that I really don't understand about all the reporting that's come out about this is this angle that Anthony Davis doesn't want to sign with Boston because he's unsure that Kyrie is going to re-sign in Boston but if we take for granted that those two guys want to play together because you know everybody has reported that they're close friends and would love to be on the same team why wouldn't he just wait like I, I like if if Kyrie didn't resign <laughs> with the Celtics, then obviously that would completely change uh, the Celtics and Anthony Davis's approach to that situation. But he can't be traded there until the off season anyway. Like he would already have that information, right? 
Well, maybe that's because his main destination is really going to the Lakers. Like you that's what I mean? I mean. Like I, I just don't. That, that line of thinking doesn't make any sense because if he's saying right now he doesn't, he doesn't want to go there because he's not sure if Kyrie is going to be there or not. Well, he can't go there until the off season when he's going to have the clarity of whether Kyrie resigns. And um, so I just think there's like something weird going on. And uh, you know, if you want to say that it is sort of uh, the heavy hand of clutch sports meddling in these affairs. Um, whether it's behind the scenes Celtics dysfunction, whether it's just Kyrie Irving being kind of wishy washy as he has been in the past. I mean, if you look at the way things fell out with the Cavaliers, like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I, I'm sure, like, and all this reporting came out subsequently about how trouble had been brewing there for a while, but I don't think any of us really saw it coming when he demanded out um, a year and a half ago. So. I just think it's it's pretty tough to uh, to get a line on what he's thinking from one moment it, to the next. It's worth noting he did say today that Boston's still at the head of the race. But there of, is a race now. Right. Right. And I think it's – I don't think it's a coincidence in the timing because one destination that he's always been tied to is New York City, right? And, you know, I mean, there was some Brooklyn buzz, but really it's been about the Knicks and um, – you know, it always seemed implausible the Knicks didn't really have the requisite cap room to go out and even sign a maximum free agent. They had sort of ways they could engineer it. And, well, lo and behold, the Knicks clear up that cap room by moving Chris Tabs, which we'll talk about in a second. But do you think that's a coincidence? Because I feel like New York City, especially if someone is joining Kyrie to go to the Knicks, because I don't think anyone wants to go to the Knicks by themselves, right? We've seen what happened to Carmelo. We've seen what happened to even Amari Stoudemire. Like, it just doesn't really work out. Um, but if there is a plan for the Knicks to get two guys, which now they have two max cap slots, um, maybe that's where Kyrie is thinking because this this can't be a coincidence. The day after the Knicks clear that room, Kyrie comes out and says this. I think Kyrie and the Knicks are made for each other. Like Joe mentioned um, how Kyrie's always been kind of willy-nilly and like changes his mind pretty quickly and the Cavs thing came together really quickly. Look how quickly the Chris Tapps trade... I know we're going to talk about it later, but like, look how quickly that came together. Look how quickly the Knicks move and like make these rash decisions that set them back 20 years every time they do it. Like, I, I really do feel that Kyrie and the Knicks are made for each other. Um, and if they really do get them, they better hope they get a second star. And Kyrie yeah. better hope he gets a second star with them because it's... Right. Well, yeah, well, because the Knicks are 10 and 40. By the way, just as a coincidence, the Celtics are playing the Knicks tonight on ESPN. At MSG? At MSG. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. I um, we'll hear more quotes from NBA. Kyrie. It's, just, it's oh. truly messy in the best way. <laughs> it's Here's what I'll say about um, the Knicks thing is that, like, I, I don't know that they could have actually engineered that trade as quickly as it seemed like they did because – it, that was like 15 minutes after that report dropped about, you know, this sort of tense, unhappy meeting where Porzingis expressed his frustration with the direction of the team. The trade had basically been consummated, and it made me think that they had probably had feelers out there for longer than had been reported, and that the timing of the leak about that meeting was sort of strategically placed because they knew that the trade was coming. Because um, Brian Windhorst actually reported today that the Knicks had offered Porzingis in exchange for Anthony Davis, but that the Pelicans turned it down. So I think they'd probably been out there um, trying to like do their due diligence and figure out uh, what else they could get for Porzingis. 
and they ultimately landed on a salary dump. Like they used him to get off of Courtney Lee and THJ. Um, and they get two first rounders in the deal, which I think, you know, a lot of people were dumping on this deal, myself included, before finding out that those two first rounders were going to be included. I think that makes the deal look a lot better for them. But I do agree, like they put a ton of pressure on themselves um, to land now two free agents this coming summer. And given what they currently have on their roster, they're going to need two players to agree in tandem to come because I don't think one player, one marquee free agent is going to look at that situation and decide that that's what they want to sign up for. Um, is there What about other possibilities of Kyrie moving? Is there anywhere else you guys see a potential fit? I mean, there has been this sort of like almost a fan fiction of this idea that Kyrie returns to join daddy lebron and it's sort of like this whole thing but i I really doubt that i just i think kyrie's gotten to a point in his career where like his star is big enough he doesn't need to go back and rehash something that's in the past yeah it's interesting to me that kyrie like hasn't been like as a free agent it seems that the only place he's been linked is the knicks if he's not you know what i mean like yeah the clippers are all in on Kawhi and uh, maybe kd um even tied to jimmy butler yeah sorry the clippers are also tied to jimmy butler like all these teams that are in the mix are tied to all these guys. Even Brooklyn, like, there was some chatter that they're yeah. going to try to get on, like, the Kawhi and Jimmy. But, like, none of them are in on the Kyrie chase, at least in reports. So, that's always been interesting to me. And it's, like, why I've always thought, oh, maybe, like... And then the trade yesterday kind of reinforced it for me. Like, maybe there really is some, like, back channel under the table yeah, assurance yeah. between Kyrie's reps and the Knicks. Like, oh, he's just, coming there. Just, like, set the table for us. That just seems like the kind of trade that you make if you know something exactly. that everybody right. else doesn't. Um and it's it's worth noting that it seemed that way in 2010 too where they cleared out all that space for LeBron Wade Bosch and ended up signing Amari like it, yeah i i think that this could still go very very wrong for them um and i you know like i can't claim any insider knowledge here but it it just like for that to have been their return um, and for this to be their approach to this coming summer, like the Kristaps the thing where, where he maybe had this sort of trump card to play where he's leveraging the threat of signing the qualifying offer. Like, I wonder if that played into their decision making at all, because I can't see him actually doing that. That just seems I don't insane think so. to me. I feel like that's one of those things where the Knicks probably like tried to use as much clout as they had to get a reporter to put that out there to make it at least justify the trade a little bit you know mm-hmm. what i mean and then you know afterward like today uh the knicks came out and said uh you know it would have been a disservice to fans if they had maxed out chris tabs which first off why are you saying that but also like b like that only makes sense really if you're trying to like cover your behind because otherwise this deal could look really bad i mean right. chris tabs says yeah let's just move on to chris tabs like chris tabs has the potential to be a top 10 nba player right we're talking about a seven foot three like they call him the unicorn for a reason he is seven foot three he is uh, an incredible shot blocker, um, and he shoots from, like, 35 feet. Like, he really has the entire skill set. Now, he does have that ACL injury, and he hasn't really been happy in New York. But also, I feel like if you're not happy in New York, that only makes you rational. Because, like, <laughs> man, that's a point in your favor. Because the Knicks really haven't given them any reason to be happy. Like, Except why now is my point. What, like, well, you... I can totally understand being unhappy throughout the disastrous Phil Jackson era. Yeah. They haven't. They were about exactly to trade him building... for Josh Jackson, who doesn't even play. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that like that era was a tire fire, and they were they had no cohesive or co- coherent um, like team building strategy. But I feel like in the past year or so, they've actually been doing things right. Like they right. have been 
holding on to their draft picks, kind of hoarding space for the coming summer, deciding that they weren't going to try and win games this year because it didn't benefit them to do so, like taking flyers on undervalued guys. Fisdale. Yeah, signing Fisdale, who you know traveled to Latvia to try and mend fences with Porzingis in the offseason. Like, At least I, I got to see Latvia. There you go. <laughs> At least I got to see beautiful Latvia in the summertime. I, uh, no, but, it looked, but it seems like, like if anything – you know, now would be the time where he might actually start to see that the franchise finally has some vision and are building the right way. So for him to say now of all times, like, no, I don't like the direction this is going is pretty interesting to me. And I, I just don't know. It just seems like there are a lot of things going on that we're not privy to. It again, seems like Porzingis maybe knows about like some things that are going on in some back channels where he's like, yo, I don't want to be a part. Like who knows? Right. But Yeah, to Joe's point, it obviously is very strange timing. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like whatever went down during those Phil Jackson years, and like obviously James Dolan is involved in that too. It just seems like whatever happened during that time is like irreparable from Chris Saps's point of view. Because even the way he's talked about the right. franchise since then, the reports that have come out, the fact that Fizdale had to go and mend fences, even though like he really shouldn't have had to do that. It wasn't his mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all just speaks to major discontent on Chris Saps's part, and now you see the finished product of it. I, I don't think you can overlook the fact that also when Chris Saps was first there, the guy he was closest to on the team was Carmelo, who really took him under his wing, was a really good vet to him, right? And you look at the way Carmelo was treated on the way out. Now, look, there was plenty of reasons for the Knicks to get rid of Carmelo. It wasn't working. He was over the hill, and they need to move on. They ultimately traded him too late, if anything else, and they got Ian Cantor, who I think... 80% of Knicks fans hate, and the other 20% actually like him, but there seems to be a lot of internet hate towards Enos Kanter. But regardless, right, like, you look at the way Carmelo was treated going out the door. Like, what do you think Carmelo ended up telling Chris Tafts about the organization and how he should approach his future? Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I, like, I don't think this should be a surprise to anybody. I, what really, really surprises me, though, is that the Knicks ultimately got back the package that they did because, okay, on one hand, they did clear this money off the books. Like, there's, like, like more than fifty million left on um, Courtney Lee and also uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contracts after this season, so they did get rid of that money for expiring deals and stuff. But like, really, those first round picks are not going to be useful for a very long time because you know Dallas already traded their twenty nineteen pick in the Luka Doncic trade, and so these tr- these picks are going to be like twenty 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 one et cetera et cetera. Um, and then they only got DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews and Dennis Smith Jr., which, like, I mean, where do you guys stand with Dennis Smith Jr.? Because he wasn't happy in Dallas. And I don't know. Is he really the type of guy that's going to be useful for the Knicks moving forward, especially if they get Kyrie? I mean, if they get Kyrie and that's their master plan, then Dennis Smith Jr. ends up in the same spot he was in with Luka Doncic. Worse, exactly. Even even more of a ball-dominant player. But the whole reason, like... The reason I thought, and I think most of us agree, that it was going to work in Dallas, I thought like he would be an interesting off-ball player, like young player. If he could develop his shot a bit, he can attack off the bounce, off the catch. Like There were reasons to think it would work with him off-ball and Luka running the offense, and Dennis Smith wanted no part of that. So if the Knicks end up getting Kyrie, who's as ball-dominant as it gets, even for a point guard, like then right. what's going to happen? And what, is he going to want out of New York too? Like. Well, look, I'll say this. I don't think the Knicks made this trade so that they could get Dennis Smith Jr. Of course not. And if Kyrie is one of the people that they sign, or if, say, Kemba Walker is one of the free agents that they sign, I don't think they'll have any qualms about flipping DSJ to another interested team if one exists. I think, you know, he's kind of a distressed asset right now. 
Uh, it obviously hasn't worked out between him and the Mavericks for one reason or another, uh, whether that's because, you know, he clashed with Rick Carlisle or was unhappy about his role in the offense. Um, but he, he's still only in his second year, and I think there is still enough promise there to think that he could grow into a valuable contributor. I don't, you know, I don't think he's a future all-star, but I also just think it's a little bit too early to be making any sweeping judgments on what his career is going to look like. I think it's fair to say that he's been a disappointment in year two and that the early indicators are not great just as far as you know his decision making um and his willingness to accept an off-ball role which personally i think actually suits him better than an on-ball role uh but you know it's not really for me to say i just think uh there are some red flags there that make him not not necessarily a desirable asset and for the knicks i just think it's like they can afford to take a flyer on him but if he's the guy who they end up having to build their team around because they whiff in free agency then obviously this trade's going to look like a catastrophe um by the way dennis Jr. had one of the most well-timed triple doubles um yeah the other night they just like it, it just so happened that dallas was in town to play the knicks and dennis jr ends up going 13 points 10 rebounds 15 assists uh in a win by the way and um yeah, I mean, I don't think that hurt. I don't think that hurt the case uh, by any means. But um, what about if we look on the flip side of the coin here? Uh, if we look at the Mavericks, um, now they have Chris Tapps and Luka Doncic. So within a year, they flipped, you know, a couple of trade assets, a couple, they sacrificed some future cap room. But ultimately, the players that they traded, Trey Young, and they traded Dennis Smith Jr. and flipped those into Chris Tapps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. I mean, that's just an incredible turnaround. You can't ask for anything faster than that. I mean, look, those are two of the brightest talents, um, you know, in the game right now. And uh, I, the way I see it, these two are going to dominate and be a duo uh, for the next decade, at least. Well, they got to lock at least one. Like, they got to lock Porzingis in first. But if they keep if they keep them okay. together, he's not going to leave. Well, look. If, have we learned nothing from the last like year in the why NBA? Why would he leave? I, I, I agree with you that there yeah. are reasons he should stay, but I'm just saying I don't think we should take okay. anything for granted that he's going to like 100% stay. Um, but yeah, they they fit seamlessly together like, yes, on the offensive definitely. end, um, even defensively. Yeah, and defensively too. Doncic isn't as much of a liability as I think people thought he was going to be. Yeah, he knows that even though he's like not the quickest guy, he knows how to use his body on yeah. the defensive end. Porzingis can be a great defender. Yeah. Um, well, they've obviously got something there, man. Like they've got two potentially transcendent talents. Yeah. In their early or nineteen and then early twenties, like they've they really got something there. The big question, and we're talking about it. I think you were just about to ask it too, and we were talking about whether he's really going to stay or not. Is this whole qualifying offer business? Is that uh, reports are that Kristaps Porzingis is going to take the qualifying offer for 4. next 5 season. Million. Yeah, instead yeah. of signing what I, you know, everyone assumes the Mavs would offer him the max. Now, would he be able to? Can he sign the five-year max with the Mavs, even though he's yeah. not on the Knicks anymore? Yes. Yeah. He just can't sign the like the Rose Rule max, which I don't think he would have been able to anyway because he didn't he, fit the qualifiers. He can because right after you can only sign it right after your rookie deal. So remember, it was the even whole if thing. you get traded from even your, if you get oh, traded. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So he can sign a five-year max right now. Yeah. And Although, I, I don't think he's he, going to turn he, that down. Yeah. And instead take a one-year qualifying offer so that he can hit unrestricted free agency in 2020 rather than be an RFA this year and then a UFA like five years from now or six years from now. Look, that makes sense if you were 
on the Knicks still, and you didn't want to be trapped to a five-year deal with the Knicks, but, like, realistically, you know, now that you're in Dallas, I mean, look, this is the case for him staying in Dallas, right? A, like, Dallas is going to offer him a lot of money, right? You look at how much they gave up already. Two future first-round picks and Dennis Smith Jr. So that's basically three picks, and they took on an extra $50 million in money, right? So they definitely are committed to Porzingis, and you would assume that would translate to them offering him a very big deal, probably around the neighborhood of $150 million. No one's turning down $150 million to then have a $5 million deal so that they can eventually leave. And, like, it's not like it's a bad situation either. He already is friends with Doncic. He's already talked about how much Dirk Nowitzki is his childhood idol. And, like, Dallas's organization is, like, pretty good. I mean, in terms of at least to their players, they're, they treat them really well. They've always been a very player-focused, player-first type of organization. They have a great coach in Rick Carlisle generous ownership i mean yeah. like why would you leave no state tax yeah, the, the weather's good like the obvious like off-court issues last year that were obviously a yeah. disaster but they seem to have addressed those hopefully um yeah you'd hope i just yeah. think even if he was still with the knicks turning down a max extension to sign the qualifying offer when you are seven foot three with a checkered injury history coming off major knee surgery and having been on the shelf for a year is insane and like if he were to do that especially now that he's gotten himself to ostensibly a better basketball situation i would just have to say that he is getting some really really bad advice well i mean his but, brother is his agent yeah but i, I was just saying like i feel like whoever, even if it is his brother whoever his agent is i, I don't think they would agree with this like, i think if this happens it's all chris Stapps. like i think this is the ultimate player power move not financially obviously but just from like a Yo, I, I, I believe in myself. I'm going to get my money anyway eventually. I just want to be where I want to be, and I want to hit free like right. real free agency, unrestricted free agency, as soon as possible. And I think if he really does this, I think it could set a precedent for future stars because, again, I, I still think for the most part it'd be hard to turn down that money, and most guys take the money. But I, I think there are at least a few stars out there right. that are looking at you know these reports and thinking, like, man, should I have done that? Or, like, well, could I do that when you know my rookie deal is over? Like, it's... It's not that crazy when you think about it. These guys, like, they all value financial wealth differently. And maybe Porzingis, like, doesn't value it the way we assume a pro athlete would value it. Again, he probably thinks, like, I'm going to sign that max deal in a year. I, and I'm still going to make $5 million this year. It doesn't... I'll believe I don't it when understand I see it. it. Yeah, no, I don't I'll, understand I'll, it, but it's a... I don't think it's that crazy that a guy just wants absolute yeah. control of his free agency as soon as he can get it. But uh, you know what? It is one thing if you're Anthony Davis and the difference is like this team could offer you $200 million and like the Pelicans can give you like 240 and it's like, well, you know, what's extra $40 million when you're already making 200 This is different, man. <laughs> this is well, like this is also five Anthony Davis has already made $100-plus dollars in his career. So that too, yeah. It, it's not the same as Chris Stapps who's been playing on a rookie-scale contract. Yeah. And it's also... Like, I just don't think you can overstate the fact that, like, the injury history is really worrisome. And given his body type, it's not the kind of thing where you can just brush it off and expect that it's going to go away. Guys as large as he is who have injuries early in their careers the way that he has tend to continue to have injury problems throughout their careers. And I think he, as much as any player coming off a rookie deal should be interested in that long-term security. And, I mean, if he wants to bet on himself, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against him. I just think it's, it's crazy, it's bold. And I think you're right. I mean, I remember talking 
before the season started when the Wolves gave Cat that max extension. And I was saying, like, I'm not really sure why the teams feel so inclined to do that Mm -hmm. rather than just playing it out for another year and then signing them in restricted free agency or at least trying to, like, bargain them down if they're going to give them the early extension rather than giving them the full max. Because I can't imagine a player taking the one-year qualifying offer rather than taking a five-year deal, even if it's not quite a max salary. Or even if, you know, they have to wait another year in order to lock it in. Like, the Suns giving Devin Booker the five-year max. Like, they, it seemed like they could have waited. And like you're saying, if Porzingis kind of sets a precedent where it's like, oh, I mean, why not? Why not just take the one-year qualifying offer, bet on ourselves, and then we can dictate our own future. You know, go wherever we want to go. And I... I just, I'll believe it when I see it. It just seems too risky to me and too outlandish. I think it's also worth mentioning that there is a possibility that this is all just coming from the Knicks. Camp, That's what I'm saying. And they're the ones putting it out there so that they just don't look as bad for the yeah. fact they traded him. And maybe he really did threaten to take the qualifying offer had he stayed with the Knicks. Maybe they want everyone to know that again. So it looks like, oh, we had to trade him, see? Um, and maybe he has no interest in doing that with the Mavs. And it's, it's all just a Knicks thing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a pretty attractive situation in Dallas. And I feel like he's going to really like it there. Apparently, he's, like, clear to play. It's been a while, right? He, he's been out a full right. year. You know, yeah, it's been a year. Right? So like, yeah, I think um, it was Stefan Bondi who said that he has been cleared to play and he just didn't want to play in New York because he, he was worried about how they would handle his return. And I'm not entirely sure what that means, but... Well, I mean, it's also interesting that he spent most of the offseason rehabbing with Real Madrid and not actually with... Yeah. Um, and I think it's worth, you know, I understand why he wouldn't want to risk his future health to come back and play for a team that's 10 and 40. Like, well, I, yeah, that part know, too. So yeah. maybe okay, he's more inclined to go and play for Dallas because they are, still have an outside shot at the playoffs. It's a chance for him to build some chemistry with Luka. I, I know um, they had to kind of gut their roster. Um, although they got, they got some decent pieces, I guess, back to like Courtney Lee and... Tim Hardaway. They're, they're usable in the Yeah, meantime. they're usable. Yeah. No, what I was going to say is, so the Mavs, I think, are four or four and a half games out of a playoff spot. If Porzingis comes back like right now and is even like 80% of what he was at his peak, do you guys think the Mavs have a shot to get in? Can they make up four games in the West? No. no I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say so, no. Not yet. Not yet. Just because I don't think you can even ex- like extend his minutes beyond 30 right. at some point. Right? you got to slowly get him back in. The, the top seven to me are already basically set in stone, and I feel like the Lakers are going to be that eighth team, and I don't see how Dallas can get into that mix. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think if they were, if it was like two games back, maybe we're talking, but maybe four and like four teams is a lot to leap in two months. Yeah. It, it would be fun, though. Oh, Like be, Dirk won I hope they season. just get in the race again. Like, Well, they're not really out of it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I hope yeah. like – there's three weeks left and they're like a game and right. a half back or something. I think what's what's great about Porzingis's fit there is he can be a really effective dive man or he can be really effective in the pick and pop. Yeah. Like he offers both options for Doncic and like, you know, so far he's basically he's played a little bit with Dirk, but uh obviously Dirk is like not really like a viable stretch big option at this point, uh, you know, because he's so limited. And um He's played with DeAndre, who's basically primarily a dive man, and he hasn't had somebody who offers the sort of versatility playing off of him that Porzingis is going to offer. Mm-hmm. I think those guys could be really effective playing together. Um, and I'm interested to see what it looks like. And I think, you know, even if they don't have a shot at making the playoffs, which I don't think they do, I just think for them to be able to build that familiarity going into next season is going to be so valuable. And 
Man, I mean, this was a risk for Dallas, too, because if it doesn't work out, I mean, yeah. they're out three first-rounders now to get these two guys. Like, they really need for those two guys to gel. Um, and if Porzingis is actually thinking about playing on the qualifying offer and not necessarily signing up long-term with Dallas, uh, these are going to be some pretty important data points, I think, over the next couple of months. Well, look, first off, I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right about Porzingis and how he would fit beside Doncic, but I also feel like... Man, I, I, you look at the history of players that Porzingis has played with. Like, when he was a rookie with the Knicks, Carmelo Anthony led the team in assists. Carmelo led the team in assists, okay? And we're talking about one of the most famous ball hogs ever leading the team in assists. And this isn't a Russell Westbrook situation. It was like 4.5. Right. Um, after that, it was Brandon Jennings who led the team in assists. And then the year last year, it was Jared Jack. Like, these are the caliber of players that Porzingis has been playing with. Like, I just think that if you put him beside a guy like Dodgers, it's going to be um, just hell to pay for. I think one last thing before we go into break and talk about more developments in the uh, Western Conference, uh, I just want to quickly get your thoughts on what's going to happen to DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews because they're both on expiring contracts, and um, the Knicks are not exactly a destination where people want to spend the last year of their deal with, you know? Like, so could this be a bio situation? And if so, where do you see these guys landing? Because they're very useful pieces. Yeah, I think as long as one or both of them wants that, like wants to move to a contender, you never know, right? Like some guys don't want to go through that. Some guys may just be like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like have to find a team now, whatever. I'll just play out the string here and get my new money in the, in the year. But as long as they're both willing to like make the move um, and join a contender or, you know, be out there for a week or two. Yeah, I think they absolutely should. Like, DeAndre Jordan can still provide something. He's not what he was at his absolute apex, but like the guy can still protect the rim in, yeah. in doses. I was going to say yeah. in doses, not yeah. for 35 minutes a night. When he decides to jump. Yeah, when he decides to jump and in doses, and you know, he might box it. He's going to throw some elbows to steal rebounds from his own guys. But he, there is some value there for a contender. Like, I don't know, like, he'd look good on Milwaukee to me. Yeah, Milwaukee's chased him last year. Right? Um, and then Wes Matthews, like, again, he, not what he was, but. Some contender can use Wes Matthews for like 15 to 20 minutes a night yeah. as like a 3 and D guy. Philly. Yeah. I mean, I I think that probably they could get something for Matthews if they, they should, if yeah. they put him on the market. Like I, some team's going to cough up a second rounder. I don't think they'll have to buy him out. Um, just because I think there are enough teams like between the Rockets – the Sixers. The Sixers are starting um, Corey Brewer, man. Like, yeah, like hey I think Corey Brewer has been a nice signing. There are <laughs> enough contending teams who could use another wing who yeah. can shoot that I think they're going to be able to get something for him. So I feel like he might end up getting traded rather than bought out. Okay, DeAndre to me would be more of a candidate for a buyout, but also you know he's kind of tight with KD, oh so God. maybe they want to keep him around. Um, I mean I don't know if that's going to move the needle at all, but. Um, you know, if every little recruiting pitch matters, then, um, you know, maybe maybe it's worth their while to hang on to him if if he'd be amenable to that, which who knows. But one question I want to ask you guys is like, what do you think? What do you think the Knicks have to get in the offseason in order to justify this trade in order to make it worth their while? Obviously, if they signed Durant and Kyrie, then it's a home run. Right. But maybe what, even what if they signed combination. Yeah. Players. Right, and and like let's say they don't get the number one pick either, so they don't have Zion Williamson. What like who do they have to sign in order for the like what's the break even point here? I, to me though, the draft is like the lottery 
is completely irrelevant to it because they could have had that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, I think they need to land multiple star free agents. Yes. Or definitely. if they only land one, it's got to be like a Durant. Honestly, it might just have to be Durant. Like even yeah. Kyrie, if they only land one star and it's Kyrie. But what my point is, I don't think one star is going to sign there without the promise that another one is. Whoa. Even 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 Kyrie, you know, even really Kyrie. After Kyrie. everything we said about him, a hundred percent. Like I just the rest of that roster just is a disaster. I, I we were surprised when LeBron signed in L.A. without the promise of another superstar going there, and they had way more young talent than the Knicks currently have. And also, he kind of did have the promise of another superstar going there. Wink, wink. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, maybe so. You know who's really good friends with Kyrie. Jimmy Butler. And there were talks. There were talks that right. those two wanted to team up. You so, know what? That, so if it's Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, is that does that make this trade worthwhile? Is that enough? I would say so, yeah. So, Just in terms of entertainment value. Because you're going to pay that max anyway. And over the next like five years, do you want to pay Chris Tabs the max? Or do you want to pay Jimmy Butler the right. max while also having two future first-round picks? I'm gonna, I, I might take the latter. I'm going to say the Knicks trading Porzingis for all that cap space and ending up with Kyrie and Jimmy Butler is very Knicks, like, circa 2010 again. Obviously, Kyrie Butler is a better haul than just Amari and eventually Melo, but, like, Jimmy Butler is getting up there. Like, there's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Jimmy Butler on a max contract into his mid-30s is, like, the exact kind of thing the Knicks would have had on their books in, like, the mid-2000s. I'm serious, man. Like, yeah, uh, that to, is, that they, they'll Knicks. compete yeah. for like one or two years. I still don't think they'd be good enough to like win a title with those guys. Right? No. So I wonder if, and then they'd age quick if they can't get Durant, um, and they can't get Kyrie. I wonder if they would just roll that cap space over to 2020, tank for another man. year. Well, they'd have no choice. Get Can you another, if they get did another that? top pick. Well, they would have a choice because they could max out. Chris Middleton, max out Tobias Harris. Oh, that's, what, that's, that's definitely what's going to happen yeah. for well, that's, that's, I, that's I wrote, wrote about Chris Middleton today. Paul about, Millsap. He's the, most, the NBA's most unassuming all-star. Yeah, uh, good love piece. Chris Middleton. I was there when he found out the news. It was great. But if the Knicks come away from this summer with Chris Middleton as the crown jewel of it, like they should contract that franchise. <laughs> I'm like... Just amalgamate them with the Nets and make one New York team because that would be a disaster of epic proportions. Right. So, I mean, this is my point. They've, they've just put <laughs> an enormous amount of pressure on the coming offseason. And I really think it's like, you know, three or four guys that they need to key in on. And if they don't get two of those guys, then this might be a disaster. And I feel like it's, you know, it's Durant, Kawhi, Kyrie. Um, I mean, maybe Clay Thompson you could throw into that mix, depending on who else they sign, because he's you know, about as plug plug and play as superstars get. Um I just want Clay back in New York so he could talk more about scaffolding. <laughs> that was one of the greatest clay moments. And there's a lot of great clay yeah. moments, but him talking I, about scaffolding and whether or not that structure is gonna stand or buckle under snow or whatever, it's just it's I, it's it's great great stuff. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say they need to get two to make this worth it. Cause again, even if they get one, like say they get K D, obviously K D is better than Porzingis. Like he's one of the three best players on the planet. But like they could have found a way to get KD while keeping Porzingis and clearing some other things off. Like if they only get one, you didn't need to get rid of Kristaps friggin' Porzingis to do that, yeah. right? Unless they're saying, "Look, we we were basically going to lose him anyway because he was going to sign the qualifying offer. We didn't feel comfortable committing a max extension to this guy who has proven to be a little bit fragile. Doesn't necessarily want to be here. Might be a malcontent. I mean, they can spin it any number of ways and say that they had their reasons for doing yeah. this, but." 
I'm I'm mostly in agreement. I mean, like they got they got to get two marquee free agents, I think, to make this worthwhile. And mm. I don't know, man. We'll see. They've never even gotten one. Like, okay, I guess Amari counts as one, but like. They Amari's did, first season there was fantastic. It was yeah, oh, him and MVP, Raymond Felton. MVP, him, and, him and Raymond Felton together, <laughs> and I'm not even being sarcastic. Like Raymond Felton was great that year until yeah. the Mellow trade. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just yeah, the Knicks have done this so many times, and it never works out for them. No one ends up going there. Listen, man, Eric Bledsoe and uh, Marcus All for the next super team. Anyway, we're gonna take a quick break right here, and then on the other side, we'll come back and talk about Anthony Davis and the rest of the going on in the Western Conference. Hey, listeners, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, covers the world of soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app where you can find all our feature content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. Welcome back to the second half of Pound the Rock, still here with Cash and Wolfond. Um... We are going to talk about Anthony Davis here. What there's look, Anthony Davis has already come out and said, you know, he's gonna he wants to get traded. We talked about that. We covered all of that in the earlier podcast on Monday. Um, some more details have leaked out since then. Anthony Davis, for example, does not have any interest in going to the Celtics, and he will consider that like a rental. Basically, he wants to go to Los Angeles. Now, who knows if this is posturing or whatever, but I think this is interesting in the idea that. If you look at the Celtics and you had this lopsided trade with Brooklyn that set you up for a potential dynasty, and then you sign a guy like Al Horford, you sign a guy like Gordon Hayward, who are both marquee free agents, and then you throw in all these top lottery picks, and then you get Kyrie on top of all of that, and all these future picks, and it's been talked about over and over again, this war chest, this promised Celtics dynasty that's going to come out of all this. But really, when you look at it now, it really looks like it hinges on Anthony Davis. Really, because Kyrie's unhappy. Anthony Davis doesn't really have that much interest in being on the Celtics. And then when you look at the rest of the Celtics roster, the young guys have not taken the step forward they sort of were, I don't know, anticipated. And also, even the picks. I mean, they had Sacramento's pick. That looked like a gem. That's going to be like in the 10s and 14s or whatever. Right now, it's projected as 13. Right? And then you got the Memphis pick, which is top eight protected, right? Memphis pick is a great asset. Okay, but it's That's top eight asset. protected right now. Top, top eight protected six next year. I don't think they want to get it this year. Like, I think... They're hoping they get it when it's unprotected in, like, 2021. That's what I'm saying. So it's going to be top six protected next year. I uh-huh. think there's a very good chance the Grizzlies are bad enough to keep that pick next year. Yeah. And it is unprotected after that. Okay, but we're still talking 2021. It's a great asset. That's all I'll say. All right, it is a great asset, great, but it's but a waste of this Celtics era. Exactly. And then even a Clippers pick that they have. That's also lottery protected. So they're probably not going to get that one this year. Like, all of a sudden, it looks like the Celtics sort of promised dynasty is just sort of in jeopardy right now. And it really hinges on whether or not Kyrie wants to stay and whether or not AD wants to come along. Because there's been a lot of factors that led to this. But if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm looking at this situation being like, yo, what's going on? Because we passed up on so many superstars. And now we're somehow stuck on this last one. It's like a musical chair situation. And the music's about to stop. Yeah. And I think this is why everyone kind of laughed at the, like, the Danny Ainge stuff and how like you know the reports he didn't want to give up Terry Rozier for this guy and didn't want to include a pick and in, like for this guy Paul George Jimmy but, Butler yeah and it's like Kawhi. okay we get it and like to Joe's point that that Memphis pick for example is a great asset like as a team building asset for an organization it's fantastic but when you had like 
all these assets at the same time and all these young players and it was all coming together to be a modern dynasty essentially and you didn't capitalize on it well yeah sure you've got this great asset for probably 2021 but this team's going to be long gone by then probably other than maybe a couple of the young guys like they if they don't get brow and, and combine and keep Kyrie and like have a legit championship team for the next like two or three years this was an utter failure for them and it's all because Danny Ainge sat on his hands and didn't want, know how and when to pull the trigger with these great assets okay like all, all Danny Ainge is with with all these assets he's just like a, a, a god on some uh pedestal for like basketball nerd boys like us and we don't even we're not even that big Danny Ainge but seriously like that's all it is if he doesn't turn them into an actual championship caliber team it means nothing to that I would say at what point did he have the opportunity to make a trade that would have put them in a better position than they're in now I'd say he probably could have had the assets to get Paul George he had the assets to get Kawhi Leonard he even Jimmy Butler had the assets to get Jimmy Butler like okay but like so one of those guys basically yeah, right? along like he, with Kyrie, that'd be pretty good. I mean, yes, but then I, I, I just think there's no way to know whether or not you'd be in a better position. There's no way to know whether, you know, Kawhi would flake out on you or whether Paul George would decide that he wanted to be elsewhere. I think... But then whoever they use these the assets on now and bring in, then there's also no guarantee. Like, Of course, there's never any guarantee. And my point is, I don't think the process has actually been flawed. Like, I don't think there was any way to foresee that the situation with Kyrie would, would be as up in the air as it is now. And I think even if they don't get Anthony Davis, if Kyrie re-signs this summer, they're still in really good shape. And when I'm talking about that Memphis pick being as good an asset as, as it is, like it doesn't have to be an asset for Boston. It, it can be a great trade chip. Mm-hmm. Some other superstar is going to shake loose and become available in the next year. They're okay. going to have a chance to add to the core that they have. And if they can do that you know, while keeping Jason Tatum aboard with Kyrie locked up long-term, then I still think they're in a pretty good position, you know, for the next five plus years. But you got to admit, though, based on the potential like they had, right? Right. I mean, they had all these picks from Brooklyn, like so many of these picks from Brooklyn. And look, they still have some of those guys. It's not like Jalen Brown has lost value or Jason Tatum. Is no, J- Jalen Brown has definitely lost value. Okay, no, he's him, he's, him he's bounced Rozier, back a bit, and uh, I guess Smart hasn't been that bad. But like Brown and Rozier have been pretty bad this year. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, maybe I'm swayed by the recent performance of Jalen Brown. He's he's coming along a little bit, but I mean, like even those guys, they just still retain value. So it's not like after the picks were made, it's over, right? But when you really look at it, based on where they were and where they are now, it really does feel like this is a it's a huge summer for them. If Kyrie leaves, like the whole, like they're just going to be another good team. Oh. I mean, that look. Granted, you it's an enviable situation. You still got Al Horford. You still got whatever Gordon Hayward's going to offer you going forward. And plus these young guys and some future picks. It's not a bad situation, no. but it's definitely not guaranteed championship the way it was sort of looking. No, make no mistake. If Kyrie leaves this summer, it's a disaster, right? Like yeah. they they held on to that Brooklyn pick for as long as they did and finally took that big swing and they used it to get Kyrie turned into a magnificent trade. I mean, you know, the, the pick ends up being, what, eighth overall? Yeah, turns into Colin Sexton. Sexton yeah. And the rest of what they give up is a broken-down Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, who has not who's not been the same uh, since they dealt him. Like, yeah. home run of a trade. But obviously, you know, they sort of made Kyrie the centerpiece of what they hoped would be a championship core moving forward. And if he's just gone for nothing, even though what they gave up to get him didn't turn out to be all that much, it is still a disaster um, because suddenly 
they need Jason Tatum to be that guy. And frankly, he hasn't looked ready this season to do that. And, you know, Al Horford's, what, 32, 33? Like, they're kind of going to be in a little bit of dire straits, I think, if Kyrie decides he wants to be elsewhere. So I 100% agree to that point. I just don't know if, like, this is the kind of thing that could have been fixed by them combining those assets into making a trade for Jimmy Butler, say, two years ago. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's focus on Anthony Davis. He's still the big prize out there, and he could still be moved by the trade deadline. The tricky thing is right now, so the Lakers are kind of being – it's not like collusion against the Lakers, but I think everyone is very annoyed with the Lakers and especially these small market teams. You know, report coming out that the the Pelicans owner, she is happy to take up the flag for small market teams that doesn't want to, you know, accommodate a team like the Lakers, who obviously is a glamorous situation. So it looks like the the Lakers, at least all things being equal, like their, their offer is probably not going to be the one that wins out just because, you know, people don't like the Lakers right now. The Knicks apparently made an offer, and they were rebuked. Um, they offered Chris Tapps. Apparently, the Pelicans didn't want that. Um, the Celtics are basically frozen out because of this Rose Rule thing, and also it just doesn't look like Anthony Davis wants to go there. And also Philadelphia, I mean, that whole trade situation has been blocked, quote-unquote, because Rich Paul also represents Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons doesn't want to play in New Orleans. Although he did go to school in uh, Louisiana. Anyway. LSU, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, so who's left in the race? Like, I don't know. The market for Anthony Davis is drying up a little bit, you know? Blazers. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Um, Nugget. No, but I... No, I, I look, if if there was another team that was going to swoop in with a godfather offer to try and get this done now, I mean, like, that's this is the time, right? They've this got, is the time, yeah. They've got a little less than a week to get it done. I would hope that some of those teams, like the Nuggets, the Blazers, maybe the Raptors... The Spurs that should get they, really looking into this. Yeah, you I, you mentioned that off air. Actually, I think you know they could probably put together an interesting package with the way that Derek White has emerged. Um, you know, if the Pelicans are remotely interested in poor Demar Derozan, if he were to get shipped out oh again in a superstar trade, but I think you know there are a handful of teams who you could kind of see getting into the bidding, and I would hope that those teams would kind of go whole hog right now and try to get a deal done while they have this window of opportunity. And, you know, if the Pelicans aren't biting, they aren't biting. But then, uh, th- man, that is going to be a precarious situation for them, too, because they had kind of said, or there were some reports that said that maybe they would consider sitting out AD for the rest of the season. But Davis comes out, comes out and makes a public statement like, I'm going to play. I expect to play. So, you know, suddenly that's a bit of a risk if he gets hurt. You know, like there are any number of things that could go wrong for them. And I mentioned this on our, our podcast on Monday. I think it's a big risk for them to hold on to him until the offseason i think uh, they have maximum leverage right now and they should be looking to get a deal done before the deadline and that's why i still think one will get done and it will be the lakers and i think as much as they don't want to do it and they're gonna be crying like rudy gobert we'll get to that later yeah um, while while pulling the trigger on it i do think it'll get done like before the deadline um for the reasons you mentioned like it it's easier said than done to just, oh, hold him until the summer and, like, trade him then for a better... Um, well, if he plays and he gets hurt or something, like, there's things that can happen between now and then. Um, I think they get him uh, the deal done, and he ends up going to L.A., and everyone's mad about it, and small markets cry about it, but it happens anyway. Here's my under-the-radar team. You know that one team that's always linked to every available superstar but doesn't actually get it done? Miami? No, the Houston Rockets. They get linked to every single what, superstar. What could they possibly give up? CP3 and some picks. 
CP3 back. There's back no way in New Orleans. In also, no. uh, first of all, I think I think Capella as the centerpiece of that deal is way more sure. realistic than Chris Paul. Like, yeah, why, sure, fine, dude. What, what do the Pelicans there. want with Chris Paul and his onerous contract and his? You know, fraught history with that franchise. I don't think they I would mean, have any interest. But all right, fair but, enough. Fair enough. I, but if you're if you're putting Capella on the table, that's not bad. With multiple first round picks, yeah. Um, I mean, it'll get in the way of Julio Okafor's breakout campaign. I I don't think there's any way in hell they trade Anthony Davis for Clint Capella in picks. But what else do the Rockets? I have? like yeah. Clint Capella. No, what else? Well, I don't think the Rockets have anything to put on the table. That's my point. I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. Take those four also, picks that you're going to put for Jimmy Butler on the table. You guys okay, mentioned okay, the Spurs. Okay. Could Cl- you imagine if DeRozan really does get traded again yeah. because of another superstar who, like, was dis- like, disgruntled. Dis- yeah, disgruntled superstar who, like, forces his way out of town. Like, DeMar, like, the model loyalty just ends up screwed twice by these better players who are forcing their way. On the bright side, you know, it would be another franchise that would get to enjoy DeMar DeRozan. Uh, DeMar is a wonderful human Drew being. Drew Holiday and, would be great yeah. as a combo. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, 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 don't really, wins, I don't really see that happening. It's a lot. Um, because I don't think the Spurs would have any confidence whatsoever. They would be able to re-sign Anthony Davis, and I, I don't think they would be willing to give up, really, any of their young prospects to get a deal done. But uh, I, I do think there are some teams – that haven't really been mentioned that do have the goods. Okay, see? If they wanted... Uh, what I, if you I offer, like, Steven Adams and uh, one of their prospects? One of their athletic wings that can't shoot. This is what I'm saying. Like, at some point, if you're so anti-Lakers that you're going to take a package built around Steven Adams or Clint Capella... Yeah. And I love Steven it, Adams. Same, but, like, come on. You're going to take that package over yeah. Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, Zub... No. Like, come I don't, on. I don't think the Thunder can get it done, mainly because... They're already out two picks. Like the the first yeah, uh, first round draft pick that they can trade is like twenty twenty four. So the Rockets at least can put those four first rounders on the table, and you know that might be enough to get it across the finish line. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I Cash might be right. You know, like they might just have no choice at the end of the day but to send them to LA. Like at the end of the day, the Lakers offer. I know their young guys are overvalued for sure, but it is still a good offer. Like. If you get like Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, uh, Zubac, like I like how Zubac has played his way into being an asset. You <laughs> no, know? but for real, like okay, you're never gonna get the same the equal value of Anthony Davis. Obviously, no, for sure. Um, and sure, if you wait till the summer, man, maybe you can probably Tatum and like that's a, like a slightly better package. Because, but, but wait, when you, even if they wait till the summer, what reason will the Celtics have to give up Tatum in that deal? You know what I mean? There's no yeah, big that, leverage. That's what I'm saying. So like, are the Lakers? Uh, sorry, are the Pelicans even guaranteed to get a better offer than the Lakers are reportedly willing to rep- like offer right now? No. Yeah. Just make that deal. It's going to suck. Yeah. It, you know, you don't want to just give him his way and give Rich Paul and LeBron their way. But in this specific situation, their way is actually the most beneficial to you, short of you somehow convincing Anthony Davis to stay. Yeah. I just think it depends what the Pelicans are looking for. And if they are, you know, more enamored of a young player on another team that's maybe has a little bit more of a track record and has established himself as a star player, like Pascal Siakam. Um, I mean, honestly, out of all the available options, Pascal is probably one of the best players that the Pelicans can realistically No, I'm get. more thinking of like CJ McCollum or Jamal Murray even, um, or like, you know, a combination, like Jamal Murray plus Gary Harris, you know, or McCollum plus Nurkic. Guys who have established value, but are also still pretty young. Yeah. Um, and under contract. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, and I think that matters too. And that's why I like the Blazers trade so much because they're they would be getting a ton of term with both of those guys, and they could convince themselves that look, this is going to help us stay competitive for at least the next couple of years. And I think for a team that plays in the market like New Orleans, that's probably pretty important. And they might look at that Lakers package and be like, yeah, one of these guys might pop and turn into an all star. But in the meantime, like we might have to move to Seattle. Yeah, that is true. Um, okay, quickly, Mike Conley apparently might be going to the Jazz. There is a report out there from Mark Stein of the New York Times that uh, the deal might be sent around Ricky Rubio and assets for Mike Conley. Uh, my question really would just be how good would the Jazz be with a guy like Mike Conley? Because that point guard position has been really a point of um, – it's not even weakness. It's just sort of uncertainty, right? They had George Hill. He had a toe injury that really sort of kept him in and out of the lineup. Then they had Ricky Rubio, who was good last year, but this year is not nearly as good. Um, you know, and, and if you can replace those pieces with a guy like Conley, who's one of the greatest floor generals in the NBA, plays both ends of the floor, plays hard, I think it would fit really nicely into the Jazz's defensive identity. Um, that could be a nice move for them. Plus, Conley's under contract next year as well. So if you're the team like the Jazz, you probably want to actually have a player that has money left on this deal because realistically, who's signing with the Jazz? And I think... If it doesn't cost too much, if it's Ricky Rubio and some picks for Conley, I'd definitely do it. Wouldn't you guys? Yeah, and I think it would. Uh, I think it'd be good for Donovan Mitchell too, because I think it would like moderate his offense a little bit. Yeah, I think it's been proven that like Mitchell is at his best when he's facilitating at least a little bit uh, and not just going balls to the wall, like head down, tunnel vision all right. the time. Uh, and I think having a vet around, like it's not like they'd just be bringing this other ball dominant player that maybe would clash with Mitchell. Like he's a vet, he seems to be good with young guys. I just think it would be good for Mitchell, both on the court and off of it. It would be good for the Jazz. Conley's, a, you know, he's been a borderline all-star for what seems like a decade now. He's a very, very good point guard um, with a lot of playoff experience. And I think that is the kind of move that it's not the sexiest move, and it's not going to like make the Jazz a legit championship contender, but it really might be like the missing piece and elevating them one level. Maybe it's the difference between them getting to the West Finals or not. Joe was mentioning, you know, like a market like Nordic, a market like Utah. That that's a big difference getting to the conference finals or not. Yeah, I think that could realistically push them up into the strata of, say, the Nuggets and the Thunder. Um, you know, into that conversation as potentially being the second best team in the West. Um, you know, Will, you actually mentioned this on a previous pod, but you think that Mitchell's better playing as a point guard than he is as an off ball guard, which I just think he's better going to the basket than he is shooting. And so right. it's easier for him to go to the basket with the ball in his hands. Yeah, no, and I I think that's mostly true, but I also think he tends to pound the air to the ball quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Conley just seems like such a good floor general to me. He, he has talked before about how he basically has like a running clock in his head. It tells him when a certain guy needs the ball mm-hmm. uh, and when a guy, you know, hasn't had it after a certain amount of time and he knows he needs to get him a touch. Like, he he is able to organize an offense in such a way that I think keeps everybody happy. And also, you know, that gives him the ability to potentially stagger his minutes with Mitchell where they're playing together sometimes, right. which I think could work because, look, Conley, oh, definitely. Conley is definitely a more viable off-ball option than Ricky Rubio is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's one of the few point guards where I think you, you you flip Rubio out and you don't lose that much on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I would even argue it's an upgrade. And so it's just in terms of the style of defense. Because right. they have a lot of long wing guys who can, like, cover ground, and that's what Rubio's best at. But, like, guys who can actually get into the body and hound a guy, like, 
Conley's better for that. They have other long wing, long arm guys. Like, I just think mm-hmm. for matchups, it's a little bit better. Anyway, anyway, I you know I think I think he would be a really good fit. Um, and uh, look, I. I, I don't know, man. The, the Jazz are just really tough to get a read on, I think, because mm-hmm. for two seasons in a row now, they've had these kind of Jekyll and Hyde seasons that have kind of been determined by their schedule. Um, but also, um, Mitchell's just had this really baffling season where um, I actually, like, he's played a lot better. He shot the ball a lot better recently, but there are still some process-type things. Like, I was talking about his over-dribbling. I feel like that's still been a bit of an issue, even as he's sort of broken out of the offensive funk that he was in to start the year uh i just i just have a really hard time getting a read on that team but they're obviously very talented they're going to continue to be an elite defensive team and i think Conley's a really good target for them yeah for sure for sure um let's wrap up the podcast with this actual bit of nba news the nba all-star game reserves were announced in the eastern conference going to be victor ladipo kyle Lowry, blake griffin chris middleton Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, and Nikola Vucevic. In the Western Conference, it's going to be Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Carl Anthony Towns. The NBA also announced on Friday that uh, Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade will be basically added as like honorary members, which I think is super cool. It's awesome, man. It's a great way. I think the NBA should really continue doing this moving forward instead of having like, you know, okay, wow, Kobe's in the game again, like Tim Duncan's in the game again. It's like, cool right these guys definitely deserve it based on like their careers but like quite honestly like this all-star stuff it really matters to people i mean it matters a lot to rudy gobert for example um it really matters to these people so like they should really be added as honorary members so they're not taking up spots and i think it's really cool that Dirk and wade get to go at it uh, i'd love to see Dwayne wade probably throw an alley-oop to lebron again that'd be great or if Dirk Nowitzki's just you know taking a old man jumper it's very satisfying watching him shoot yeah, and I think well, like this is part of the reason why they also it, it, it makes sense that they went away from the strict fan voting and involve like the media and the players as well because like Kobe for example gets in his last year because he was voted in as a fan by the fans as a starter. So Adam Silver's not going to go to him after and be like, "Hey man, I know you technically got voted in as a starter, but we're going to make you an honorary player instead." Like that'd be the most disrespectful. Right. Right. So this works, and I agree with you. It's great, but it works because they did away with That's relying true. on fan voting because had they not done that, Dwayne Wade would have been starting and you know would have been taking one of these uh, worthy Eastern Conference players spots yeah i have nothing to add to that i, I think <laughs> look it's sold no it, it's just a good compromise i think and you know for the people who basically argue that the all-star vote should strictly be a fan vote who say the game is for the fans and you know whatever they want they should get it's an entertainment product and if they want to see dirk play in the all-star game in you know his last year as an nba player then they should get to see that i think this is a good compromise because they will get that, but uh, you know Dirk won't be taking away an all-star spot from a more yeah. deserving player. So um, everybody wins. Everyone wins except for Rudy Gobert, who <laughs> was very upset over not being selected. He, um, you know, he explained that you know his mom was really disappointed, and you know he really deserved. And look, I think the three of us all agreed that He's Gobert should be. Yeah. yeah, definitely right. But you know, he was going on about how. Oh man, this means you're sending a message to the kids. Whenever you reference sending a message to the kids, you're, you're gone. You're gone. You're gone too far. Okay, because he was saying how like this means you're telling kids that defense doesn't matter and winning doesn't matter. And like, all right, just 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 relax. But I mean, he ended the press conference today 
getting so emotional that he you know was wiping away tears as he just cut off the press conference which was just I, look you know whatever like express your emotions whatever however you want it it's just it was strange to see a player get that um that invested in an all-star spot i mean there is some money involved and i get that but it's not like he's underpaid or anything and just I've never seen a player react that way to not making the All Star game. Well, even Damian Lillard didn't go this far, and you know Dame has had some. Very... He just released like two rap albums about it. <laughs> yeah, like who are you dissing in okay. that case? So first of all, Del Depps, I can't believe you didn't vote me to the All Star game. If the NBA is um, unfortunately teaching the kids anything, it's that you should play in the Eastern Conference because that's the true crime here. Is that Rudy Gobert should be an All Star? Because he's easily been like one of the most impactful 24 players in the league. And the league has gone away from East versus West in the game itself, which is great. And they've got this fantasy draft and it's televised. It's great. But then for some reason, still mandate that half the All-Stars have to be from the Eastern Conference, which is the joke. And if they had not done that, Rudy Gobert would definitely be an All-Star. But to that point... I don't have a problem, obviously, with him. Like, it, it seemed like pretty genuine reaction that he kind of broke down there. You want to know what I have a problem with? And this is, did you guys see Carl Anthony Towns' reaction of being named an All Star last night? What? Because he cried. Like, so Carl Anthony Towns, who was an All Star last year, this was not his first time. I think it was, even though the Timberwolves haven't had a good year, it was pretty safe to assume Towns was going to make the All Star yeah, team. He, this was not good. a shock by any means. And there's video of. Towns and I, to me it looks like he's playing it up for the camera but like there's video of Towns he's watching the all-star announcement like on TNT on his phone and then when they announced that Towns made it he drops the phone in shock buries his head in his hands and starts sobbing like to me that's more of a mockery than anything Rudy Gobert like are, Rudy are Gobert, we sure he was crying because he made the game or because Jimmy Butler didn't like I, I would be he was crying probably, because he has to go to Charlotte yeah probably crying true. tears of joy that um, Jimmy Butler's not there and he's so there. if we're gonna complain about like guys crying related to the all-star which whatever like we shouldn't complain we shouldn't agree, complain about that regardless agree, of who's but I'm gonna say that at least Rudy Gobert seemed yeah. like an authentic like it just caught up with him in the moment you guys gotta see this cat video because it's I gotta insane see this cat video. and now I want to know so while we were recording Isaiah Thomas tweeted like the current Isaiah like right, little yeah. injured Isaiah uh, tweeted little injured Isaiah come on fam you're too big to be crying like that dot 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 and everyone's assuming it's Gobert I am too but I really really hope that it's about Cat and not Gobert by the way if 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 I'm Gobert like to that point about the Eastern Conference like I would pick Gobert over Oladipo over Kyle Lowry for sure Blake Griffin is very close but I would take Gobert's winning in defense over Blake Griffin Chris Middleton honestly hasn't had that great of a year. Uh, ben Simmons, you know, close, but I would take Gobert. Beal, I would take okay, I would take Beal over Gobert, and then Vucevic, who I would definitely take Gobert over Vuce. Like, you know what I mean? I, I feel bad for him. I really do. Like, it, it's just it's it's unfortunate. Um, How are you gonna do Vuce like that though? He's been amazing. Who would you rather have, Vooch, Vooch or has Gobert? Been amazing, but I still think Gobert has been the better player. What, what yeah. are you? Ta- what are you trying to teach kids that it's more important to put up twenty and ten for the Magic <laughs> or to win and play defense for the Jazz? I mean, come on. Oh man, you don't want to teach the kids that in spite of having a just terrible team around you, that it's still worthwhile to like give it your all and put your head down and get your twenty twelve year. and four every night. <laughs> um, uh. No, I I actually didn't see the Towns reaction, but. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold it against any player to be, you know, emotional for. 
a, you know, what is frankly a really incredible achievement, you know, to be picked as one of the 24 mm-hmm. best players in the NBA um, and to, you know, have that star on your record and say, look, you, you were elite. Yeah. And, and for Towns, I think, you know, maybe there's a lot that played into it. You mentioned the Jimmy Butler thing. Like, this was a rough start to the season for him. Yep. And, you know, basically, like, having his manhood questioned by his teammate before the season even started and then just getting off to that really, uh, really rough start while Butler was there kind of looming over the team. Um, and then for, for him to have kind of rebounded and really put together, I think, a deserving all-star campaign in the wake of that, um, I can understand why he'd be emotional. But uh, I, I agree. I think deser- like Gobert deserved to make it. But um, a lot of guys in the West, I think, deserve to make it. I think, you know, Tobias Harris had a really strong case. I think De'Aaron Fox had a really strong case. But Luka Doncic had a strong case. Yeah, I mean, I think all of those guys we just mentioned probably would have made it in the East. So Yeah, definitely. Um, one more question about the uh, the Eastern Conference. Who replaces Victor Oladipo? Because obviously he's not going to be available to play in the game. Um, I don't know if the have you you have to choose a replacement from the Eastern Conference. I assume so. That's how they did it last year. Um, Again, dumb. But I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously, who else are you going to take? Because you're already scraping bottom of the barrel with guys like like honestly the way Lowry's playing. That's a bottom of the barrel selection. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I it's gotta I would, be Russell. It's gotta be D'Angelo Russell, right? Does it have to be D'Angelo Russell? Well, the other option is Jimmy Butler, and I think. What about Bledsoe? See, see this is what thing. I mean, man. I God, think Bledsoe. Is... I think Bledsoe actually should have maybe got in over Middleton. But you think now that Middleton got it, then they won't put a third to buck? Get, yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be one of Russell or Butler, and I think I'd give the edge to Russell. I think it'd be nice to have a net there, mm-hmm. um, based on the season they're having. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, again, I think like we joked about Jimmy Butler being an arsonist, but for real, like um, given what he did this season and the fact that his numbers aren't off the charts as, as good as he's been, his numbers right. aren't off the charts in Philly. I think I think Russell gets the nod over him. But I think it should just go to a West player anyway. Like right. the yeah. fact that Middleton and probably Russell and even Lowry, you know, I still think Lowry is a top twelve player in the East, despite the fact his shooting and scoring has gone down. But all that said, like the fact that Lowry, Middleton, and probably Russell are in, and then Rudy Gobert, even Demar Derozan, you look at the season he's had. Like some of yeah. these guys in the West aren't in. Um, like come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if we were just going on who I think has had the best season. And who is most deserving of that spot? I would pick Bledsoe. Um, I think Russell's been great, uh, but I like given what Bledsoe has done for a team that has been to me far and away the best team in the NBA this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I mean, if the Warriors are getting three All Stars, why shouldn't the Bucks? Bucks have been better. Like I and, and well, Bledsoe, I, th- and- I think the argument against that, like for me anyway, is that an all star should be an all. Like I don't think they should get three just because they're first. Like I think the Warriors get three because they have clear. No, no, no. Three I'm just saying. Cut. I'm saying like you know, in response to you saying, well, Middleton got in, so right. maybe now Bledsoe shouldn't. Like yeah. no, by all means, I think he should. And, and I think like he's been such an underrated part of why their defense has been as good as he as it is. Um, like his defense has been phenomenal. Uh, as far as just like fighting over screens, pressuring the ball, getting deflections. Oh like, yeah, he's the the head of the snake defensively for them. Yeah, and um, I I think he's very much deserving. And look, I, I'd be happy to see D'Angelo Russell get in, just especially yeah, 
given... I mean, just for the Nets as a whole, right? Because they're 20-6 also... over the last 26 games. That's incredible. Yeah, also for... for the Lakers. That <laughs> for all of the oh, LOLs man. if he gets in while oh, all this Lakers stuff is going for, on. For Russell and the way that things went down with him and the Lakers, obviously, you know, some of those wounds were self-inflicted, um, given what happened between him and Nick Young. But you had Magic Johnson basically out there openly questioning his leadership. Yeah, uh, he, he got dragged through the mud, kind of unnecessarily, to be honest. Like he didn't need, Magic didn't need to say that. I agree, and I think Magic doesn't need to say a lot of the things he says. Magic the blathering. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was a good tweet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would be, I'd be perfectly happy to see uh, Russell get in, and I agree. I, I've been really impressed with the Nets this season, and I think it'd be a great story for both him and them. So um, I couldn't quibble with that. Well, we've covered off uh, at least most of the pressing news in the NBA right now. If anything else happens between now and the trade deadline, you can hear more from us for sure. But, uh, I mean, I think guaranteed on the trade deadline the day after, we'll be here to recap all the going on in the NBA. But for now, for Cash and for Wolf Fund, for myself, we're signing out. Pound the Rock. Pound the Rock.